Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by CornNation.com, a legacy member of the Jittery Monkey podcast family at JitteryMonkey.com, and of course, proudly affiliated with the SB Nation Podcast Network. My name is Greg Mahochko, and joining me once again, my my two fellow legs of the tripod to my right, Hoss Reuter to my left, John Dam Johnston. Guys, it is it feels good to be back. I feel like it's been a busy week. It's been a... a a short week since last we talked. Full disclosure, peek behind the curtain for everybody. I just like saying this. Uh, we're recording on Monday night because Haas is still a student and is going to be responsible and you know get work done uh, before the last day that it's due. So we're recording Monday night for this Friday publish. Uh, so if there's anything big that happens during the week, we're not going to be able to comment on it till next week. We apologize. It is what it is. Uh, Haas, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. Just uh, still enjoying the win in Champagne from Champagne, and um, looking ahead to an Ohio State University coming to Lincoln along with College Game Day. John, we got a few of your post game thoughts in the uh, Coronation post game reaction uh, edition two. Uh, but how are you, how are you holding up? It's been a, it's been a couple of nights since we got together and chatted. Well, you know, we have we, we have three quarters of our wins of last year. Halfway to bowl eligibility, baby. Yeah. So, I guess, you know, could we be 4-0 going into Ohio State? Yes, we could, but we're not, and let's just move on. You know what I mean? It's uh, the Buckeyes are coming to town, and they are poisonous nuts. <laughs> what, do they have a social disease of some kind? They do. They have a venereal disease, I'm sure. Do you the, the the Buckeye tree is all poisonous, and if you don't like carve it up right, then you could die from it. Now I mean the butt guy tree. The butt guy tree. Now it's it's interesting that uh, the Buckeye tree is so deadly, but the Buckeye treat around the holidays is so delicious. I don't know what that is. It's the uh, I don't either. It, really, it, there's no. No, there's no Buckeye treat. I don't know what you all call it you in st- your neck of the woods, but it's the little uh, Greg, ball of... Are you, still, are you still living in, like, 1899 there in Belleville, Illinois? Uh, no, but we did just have Oktoberfest this past weekend, and I missed that as well. Um, no, okay, so... Not even October. Yeah, but uh, apparently they do things different in Germany. I don't know. Uh, okay, so they're called Buckeyes. It's the ball of peanut butter that's dipped in chocolate to make look like the buckeye nut oh we just call those chocolate covered peanut butter i don't know if i've ever had those actually oh god i hate peanut butter really well you didn't used to though we, well, that, we talked about that this would one. explain your frail build john it, well listen i woke up out of a coma hating peanut butter man in fact you're just bringing it up and i want to vomit now well okay i respect whatever you do don't look <laughs> at this picture i'm about to drop in the uh uh Skype chat because I want I want Hoss to 
Just don't look. It's okay. Don't look. Okay. There you are, Hoss. Oh, Lord, that is very not safe for work. <laughs> the hell are you looking at? <laughs> now you got to look. Uh, yeah. No, don't look. Um, it's just a little treat around the holidays with peanut butter and chocolate. It it was probably the first Reese's Pieces, if you, or Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, if you think about it. Yeah, back in 1899 on a cold Christmas Eve night in Belleville, you know. <laughs> I ain't mad at it. Hey, whatever. You got the... You got the horses bedded down? There's a storm coming. Speaking of Illinois, uh, and if you want to get more specific, Belleville, Illinois, uh, which did celebrate its 39th annual Oktoberfest this past weekend, uh, as we mentioned last week with my uh, work-related back injury, I was going to try to make the trip to Champaign and loaded the family up in the old family roadster. Didn't even make it out of Belleville before I could just feel... Not only was my back seizing up, but I was having shooting pain down my right leg, which is my it's my pedal to the metal leg. Uh, so we actually turned the van around and canceled the dog uh, uh, stay at the reservation at the kennel called and off the call, called off the trip and uh, uh, sat on my couch and watched that game and laid down actually for a, a good chunk of it because I don't know what the hell I did to my back. I know what they say I did to my back, but I'd really like an MRI or something to know for sure but uh yeah so pain kept me away but uh it, it didn't keep a lot of husker fans uh away there were a good number of red mixed in with that orange and most importantly we got the dub 42 38 uh it was an ugly win it was oddly enough lopsided if you think about it i mean huskers won in every statistical category except for turnovers where their four turnovers cost uh cost them at least 21 points in a lot of short fields, but uh, they, they, you know, they they proved their medal, I think, and uh, and they got an important win in prime time in the Big Ten on the road. Scott Frost's first road win uh, as head coach at Nebraska. So, uh, I mean, John, we got some of your thoughts uh, about it right after the game, but Haas, we didn't have a chance to talk after the game. Uh, maybe not your biggest takeaway, but what what did you see? Saturday night that you liked? Well, I think you saw the offense grow up a little bit. You saw Adrian Martinez become a little bit more decisive in the second half. And, you know, he's a little more crisp on his reads in the zone read and taking off and running. Um, Wondell Robinson stepped up as a eye back, you know. Um, Wondell! Saw some good stuff from Dedrick Mills, even, you know, his fumble notwithstanding. Um, he's starting to look like he's really comfortable with the speed of division football. And the offensive line struggled but early, but they got it going in the second half. And I think at this point, you're trying to find a good way to phrase this. At this point, we are what we are, like what Frost said after the game. You know, we're a 3 and one football team that has its issues, but we also show glimpses of what we could or will be. And so I think it was another performance to build on. And outside of three touchdowns given up, you know, on scoring drives less than 30 yards, the defense played really fucking good. Didn't even give up 300 yards of total offense. Um, so I, I was really encouraged by that. So 
it was a statistical the game was an entire statistical anomaly and you can't really take too much away from it other than you know we got the win and we saw some guys step up at this point at this stage of the rebuild you can praise when the team when you get the glimpses of what we could be or will be and be right and you can also criticize the stuff we're doing wrong and still be right. We're just, you know, we're in kind of the relative infancy still of rebuilding this thing. I do feel like, I don't know why I said, I do, uh, no, I do feel like the, the team is... Uh, is, is that what you said on your wedding day? And that I, exact accent? I do. <laughs> I do. Uh, anyway, uh, no, I... I do feel like the team is trending in a positive way uh, on you know two weeks ago against northern illinois we saw a really strong defensive effort and and again you take away the the short fields that illinois had and we still saw you know a, defense is what ultimately kept us in that game uh because uh, offense offense had to you know really play from behind and to their credit they did when you look at they ran almost 100 plays and and racked up almost 700 yards uh, you know, Saturday night we were looking at the stats and got very uh, 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 specific about that. So if you want to go back, at, you know, I encourage anybody to go back and listen to that, you know, coordination reacts, uh, uh, you know, episode. But th- both, uh, I think Adrian Martinez had over 300 yards, uh, you know, combined. Uh, you mentioned Wandale Robinson, and I mentioned this in that post game episode was I think my favorite play of the entire game it didn't even go for a score but it was late in the game when Wandale was coming off the right uh, side of the line and just you know maybe it was a seven eight yard maybe 12 I can't remember uh yard gain but he lowered his shoulder and he put a thump on uh, on an Illinois linebacker I think it was a linebacker it, it doesn't matter but you know that late in the game yeah for, for, Hanson, number 35. for a true freshman that late in the game, in his first Big Ten, uh, you know, game, road game, big environment, and he just, I mean, he's a baller, and I'm excited for what the next couple of years bring for Robinson. I, I am too. Um, you can see why he was the number one all-purpose back coming out of high school, and, you know, he's not just a perimeter, get-to-the-corner speed guy. The guy ran with some authority in between the tackles, and that was really encouraging to see. It was weird. He kind of reminded me a little bit of, you know, like Darren Sproles from Kansas State. Now, there's a name we haven't it, seen too much. I, I, never, I never expected that. I never, you know what I mean? When he ran up the middle, he did run with authority. and ran with a lot of strength. And mm-hmm. I, I never you would have see, expected that. You can that. see why he's a 500-pound squatter, you know. I want to make a comparison that I don't want anybody to look in or, or look into beyond their on-the-field resemblance but low to the ground you know uh low center of gravity powerful kind of a bowling ball or wrecking ball he reminds me of ray rice on the field i could see that i could i could definitely see that i mean obviously that's where i want all comparisons to stop everybody knows uh-huh. <laughs> um but but he, but he reminds me of of that type of low you know, low center of gravity, powerful, but quick, can get to the edge and, and extend a play with his speed. 
but can also, like you said, Haas, if need be, go through the tackles and, uh, and, and, you know, like I mentioned a minute ago, put a hit on somebody and, and tough out a couple extra yards. My biggest concern with what happened Saturday was because Washington left before halftime, they really had to rely on Robinson, and I didn't want to see him get worn down or exposed too early, especially with the matchup coming up this weekend. Absolutely. Uh, that was one of my concerns as well, especially down the stretch as we started to, you know, even down 35-21, it didn't feel like it was going to take a monumental comeback to get back in the game. It just kind of felt like, hey, we got to clean some shit up and we'll be back in it. But I wanted to see us start kind of, you know, rotating like Wyatt Missouri in a little bit, a little bit more. And you know, I'm the furthest thing from a play the walk-ons guy. <laughs> you know, I'm not that guy. But when Wyatt got in and he ran a little bash sweep to the outside down to inside the five, it was about a 15 yard run. I really like what I saw from him. I think there's a place in this offense for him. And, you know, when you couple that with like, you still don't know what you're going to get consistently with Dedrick Mills and, and, you know, Maurice Washington's not built to be an in between the tackles runner. And Wandale, you want to use him between the tackles judiciously. Wyatt Mazur would be, I think, a pretty solid option. I mean, he's not going to house it from 60, but I think he's going to pick you up those tough yards and um, he's going to keep the offense on schedule. He's a Rex Burkhead. Yeah. I want to throw this name he out. He just there moves and he, he, he runs the ball very well and he, he doesn't seem to fumble and he, he just, you know, now I jinxed him. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, no, I'll just go cry now. I want to throw yeah, this name out some, there because go I, take a big ball. <laughs> I think I'll need an Oxycontin. I threw this name <laughs> out there on, uh, or no, I didn't. I, I saw this name on, on Twitter during the game when, you know, Washington was out and, you know, they were really working Robinson in there with uh, some Mills as well. But somebody made the comment on Twitter that, uh, to the extent of, and I'm paraphrasing, but said they must be wanting to redshirt Ramir Johnson. But with the new rule that you can get, you know, see action in four games, I don't know how many games he's seen action. I thought it was just one uh, up to this point, maybe two. Just one so far. So I thought that would have been a good place to, to stick him in there. You know, just just to spell. You know, if, if even if you are going to redshirt him, you don't. yeah, because yeah, because we'd already had eighteen turnovers. It's a good thing to stick a new guy in there. Well, you know, and that's that another thing about the turnovers. Holy shit, Greg! Another thing about the turnovers that game, they weren't like, in my opinion, they weren't from just like a lack of focus or just you know being irresponsible with the football. They were just weird turnovers. I mean, uh, JD gets it ripped out when he catches a pass out to the 30. The horrible, horrible call of a fumble on what was obviously an incomplete pass on Adrian Martinez. And beyond the fact that it was an incomplete pass, there was no clear recovery. That was my problem and, with it. Yeah, I mean, no one clearly recovered it. it and, they played, and they blew the play dead. And they blew the play dead. Yeah, if anyone's watching that Saints-Rams game a couple Sundays ago, they would have saw, you know, that, hey, once the play's dead, it can't be, you know, there's no continuation. There's no benefit of the doubt that they would have recovered it. There's nothing of the sort. So that was bad. And then 
Dedrick Mills fumble, you know, is another case of just got to continue to work on ball security. So the Mills fumble is really the only legitimate shoot-yourself-in-the-foot turnover. I mean, a guy clubbing the ball out at the end of a catch-and-run, like what happened to Spielman, that's football. That shit's going to happen. That's what defenders do. But, you know, so I wasn't even really discouraged about the turnovers. You just can't let them become, you know, an endemic problem where, you know, you're haunted by the turnover bug. I, um, I did see that Mills. You did have the. Go ahead, John. You did have the first half where Martinez was throwing the by the, the ball a little high and, and wanted mm-hmm. his receivers dead. You know that, well, that's a, you know, I wouldn't put that entirely on Martinez. Those throwing high, you know, a lot of that stemmed from we saw a return of the bad snaps from Cam Jurgens, and that throws off the timing of the play so much when that happens, and you're trying to just you know get the ball out of there when you see a guy flash open because your entire play has been thrown off from the start. So I want to see that get worked on though because last year you know during that seven game stretch when we put up at least 450 yards, Martinez was dropping dimes. You know, just, you know, hitting guys in stride, dropping it in the bucket. And I'd li- I want to see that kind of precision return because when he's on, you know, there ain't too many better. There ain't too many in college football that are better than him. And there were the. He does have that, accuracy and arm strength. Mm-hmm. And there were the passes just, that he was putting right on the money. It's just little stuff to clean up. Sorry, Greg, go ahead. I was going to say there's the, the passes that he was putting right on the money and one of them, I'm, I'm going to single him out. I hate doing it, but, but, uh, that, that pass that he put right there, uh, and went right through the hands of Noah. I mean, all you got to do is close those arms. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that was like target practice level pass. I mean, because he's running, jumping and holding his arms out, like with his fingertips touching me like, all right, I'm going to make this a moving target. All you got to do is throw it through the hoop. And unfortunately that's exactly what Martinez did, but no fault of his own. Cause that was, that should have been a catch and a big play. Yeah, I I don't want to call out Canavine Noah too much uh, because there's a lot of football left to be played this season. And even last year at this time, Stanley Morgan, you know, was having some issues with, you know, catching the ball. But right now, you can really see how much we miss Stan at that X receiver spot. Because, I mean we got to find somebody. And maybe it's Noah. Maybe it's somebody else. Cade Warner. Cade Warner. I'm hoping anyone's stepping up, but we've got to find somebody that can draw the attention of a safety away from J.D. Spielman. Because at this rate, if this continues for J.D., you know, racking up yards and receptions, but just getting walloped and, you know, bent in half at the end of a reception, it'll it'll be the third year in a row this year that he doesn't play in the Iowa game because he's out with injury. Yeah, that's true. Jerron Jerron Woodward is it does he exist? He's got track speed, you know, but that's not always transferable over to football and I've you know kind of expected a little bit more out of a guy like Mike Williams. Right. But, you know, right. junior call guys come in from junior college and they only have a couple years of eligibility. You know, it doesn't really lend itself very well to, you know, developing at the receiving position. Because passing games at the junior college level are rudimentary at best. You know, they're not 
very nuanced. They're not teaching the finer points of wide receiver play. Um, it's just, you know, speed and space and out jump a defender, out run a defender. So, you know, we really need to find a big bodied receiver who we can develop for, you know, three or four years. And not even like, they don't need to be like a Murray's Purify even either. They just need to, you know, they can be like Stanley Morgan size, 6'1, 208. But just somebody with a, big presence at that X receiver spot. I wish, and and I know that, you know, injuries got to him early in his career, but Javon McQuitty, I, I, I'm, his career is not over, but I, I want more out of him. And I don't know how to say that without sounding disappointed. Um, but it's a fair assessment. You know, I mean, I, I just feel like he came in. I think he was pretty highly touted. I think we were all excited to get him. Had the the measurables. I mean, you know, to be that type of receiver that you're talking about, Haas just hasn't been able to crack high enough on the depth chart yet. No, no, he hasn't. You know, he's got uh, got one more year next year. And, you know, hell, there's still two-thirds of a regular season to be played this year. And maybe I'm being a little bit uh, ambitious on development as the season progresses, but I'm not I'm not really too willing to dog on somebody, at least publicly. No, no. Uh, and, and that's what I said. I, I, I tried to be gentle in my criticism. Like I said, I don't know what's going on in practice. I don't know if he's just been, you know, that injury freshman year or I guess his redshirt years just, you know, knocked him that, you know, out that far, but – you know, he, again, he's one that we had a lot of high hopes for, and at present, just haven't seen. It. I, I want to see it, you know, and and I don't know how. You know, he's not listening, so it's not like you know I'm calling him out or anything like that. I I just know that the potential's there, and I I, I just want to. I want him to succeed. I mean, I want them all to succeed, but but I I really want him to see. Jack Stoll, you know, had a couple of big uh, moments Saturday night, but I think was I think the tight ends overall have been a little bit underutilized this year. Yeah, Jack Stoll's a great all-purpose utility type, Swiss Army knife type weapon on this offense. But by and large, you know, like down the field type stuff, um, we haven't seen much from Kurt Raftall, Austin Allen, guys like that. They're saving them for the Buckeyes. I've heard a lot of people say we're saving a lot of stuff for the Buckeyes. (laughs) Can we believe it? Well, you you save a few calls here or there, because um, in games like that, when you're outmanned, you really got to do whatever it takes to generate yards and points. Which is why I mean, Frost's game against Ohio State last year was probably his best called game of the entire season. Um, we threw the kitchen sink at Ohio State. We had you know, a couple different triple option variants out of our split back formation. We had you know. A surprise onside kick that was a complete and utter failure. But uh, right. we also had, you know, bootleg throwbacks where Adrian would roll out one way and hit a tight end on a reverse wheel route the other way. And, you know, it was just, you know, we let it we let it hang loose. We let it rip. And in big games, that's what you do. You save, you save up some calls that you know are going to, you know, play upon a schematic weakness of a team like Ohio State. and So you keep a few things back, but when people were saying we were like handcuffing the offense on a wholesale basis to prepare for Ohio State, 
uh, that that couldn't be further from the truth. You don't handcuff your offense that much because there comes a point where you just got to put stuff on tape, and it comes down to whether or not you can out-execute them. Well, I, I know we're going to talk about Ohio State you know, after the break, and, and of course, uh, college game day coming to Lincoln this weekend. Uh, before we do, before we, you know, turn the page, close the book on the Illinois game. Let's talk a little bit about defense. I don't want to talk a whole lot about special teams, just because they're proving as special as ever. Um, but let's talk a little bit about that defense. They, I, th- I mean, I think they played their asses off, and you saw it. I mean, a lot of people want to look at that Lamar Jackson, you know. Uh, uh, defensive hold or, or pass interference, however you want to label it, that didn't get called. I mean, we the refs were kind of atrocious, but they were consistently atrocious to both teams that night, so I'm not going to get too worked up about that. But I just think that, you know, and, and I mentioned it earlier, the defense played their ass off and played better, I think, than, than the score would indicate. No, they didn't have any turnovers, but they also – to borrow one of your words from a moment ago, Hoss, were a little handcuffed in the short fields that the uh, the offense put them in from time to time. Uh, but when you look at the defense as a whole, uh, guys, I mean, John, I guess we'll start with you. Uh, when, when you look at the defense from this past Saturday night, I mean, give me your f- first or maybe, maybe not first, but your lasting impression of, of their performance against Illinois. You know they're they're twenty times a better defense than they were last year. I mean, last year they they got confused. They ran out of positions sometimes by pre-snap stuff. They, you know, now we have, you know, what we have, we have a defensive line and we have linebackers, and I we don't even have one defensive line. We have like two or three, and that's really pretty cool. We, we have so many defensive linemen that Frost and Shenander were able to run out an entire different defensive front at the second half. It didn't work out well for them, but uh, you know, no Davis Twins, no Darian Daniels, but there, there sure was a different defensive line out there. Um, you're right, John. Hey, I wonder. Go ahead. Do I have clearance? Yeah. Uh, uh, the, the runway is clear. Well. We have a go or no go. Um, Negative. Go. When John was saying that they got a lot better from last year, you know, Illinois got better from last year. Um, I saw a lot of plays where when we were on offense, we ran stuff that we gashed Illinois with last year, and they were in position to defend it this year. Um, chalk it up to film study, chalk it up to improvement, physical improvement, but we tried to run a couple of little, you know, bash counter quarterback counters that ripped Illinois last year and they were dead on arrival this year. So um, Illinois is not, I'm probably going to take some flack for this and who knows, I'll probably end up regretting saying this. Illinois is not a out and out horrible football team. They got some dudes. uh, They just lovey Smith's not the answer. No, everybody has dudes. Yeah, yeah, that's parody in college football. But, like, Illinois, from the time that we've been in the Big Ten, they have always had some dudes on defense going back to when they had, like, Dwayne Smoot, Chunky Clements, Carol Phillips, Hardy Nickerson Jr. Um, this year they had some hard-hitting safeties. They had some, you know, hard-hitting linebackers. They had a nose guard that gave Jurgens some trouble. And um, 
you know, they're they're not out and out horrible. You know, it wouldn't shock me to see them maybe claw to five wins by the end of the year and maybe, you know, see if they can get that elusive magical number six. I was just going to say, I could see them going bowling. I really could. Not in a great bowl, but, you know, the uh, the the down-and-out hard luck trailer park bowl that uh, takes place in, in uh, Albuquerque. You mean, you mean the one we haven't got to in the last two years? Shut your damn dirty Man, it's still hard to believe that we haven't got to the Music City Bowl. Um, I don't mean to be rude, but, you know, let's... It's let's, the let's, truth. Yeah. Gosh, John, that hit, that, that hit me hard right there. Um, yeah, well, we could take a break now. We could. We, we do have one question before we... Look to the the future. We do have one question from friend of the show, Josh, who uh, asked, is it just me or did we run a lot of zone read and run option stuff last year and have ran it not much at all this year? Uh, Haas being our X's and O's guy, are, are we seeing a little bit less of the uh, uh, zone read stuff? No, it's been about the same. Yeah, take that, it, Josh. It's, uh, the big difference is we're not getting the – Adrian isn't presenting the same threat on the keep portion of the play as he was last year. So you know, last well, year. see, it's a little hard to do that when it's a little hard to do that when you have one game in which your coach says, "Don't read." <laughs> yeah, 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 and you know it, when you're being told to, you know, that calls or gives or keeps are predetermined, it changes that play quite a bit and I think I touched on it after the Colorado game if you're going to run a spread offense part of the spread offense is having the flexibility of the quarterback making reads handcuffing the quarterback from making the read is handcuffing the entire offense do you think that we saw Martinez like like the reins come off a little bit in in the second half or or, you know midway through the third quarter and on there in that Illinois game because it seemed like he was a lot more comfortable and because of that, the offense was able to flow. Yeah, I, either the reins came off of him, or he got past whatever you know mental block was going on with him. Because in that second half, he looked a lot more decisive. His throws were crisper. He knew when to take off and run. He finished runs well. So you know, it, regardless of what it was, it was a great moment where the light kind of started to come. Come on for him. Speaking of mental blocks, real quick, and then we're going to take a break. If I ever meet Matt Millen in person, I'm going to punch him right in the dick. I like Matt Millen. You do or don't? I do. Husker fans are so GD sensitive about announcers. Well, here's the thing. He he made a comment right before a PAT about – was it the PAT? Yeah. Yeah, the PAT about uh, the Ooga Booga, or maybe this field goal or something. It, it was a PAT, then they called the, uh, uh, I know what it was, it was a PAT after I think our fourth touchdown. And then they called a, a false start on the offensive line, moved it back five yards. He's like, I don't know, that could really put the Ooga Booga in, a, in an inexperienced kicker. And then he kicks it off the upright. And I really just want to punch him in the dick. <laughs> he was spot on. Can't argue with that. 
But if he would have kept his mouth shut, wow! If he would have kept his mouth shut, that game is tied with a with a good PAT. I'm just gonna say. So you're just you're angry about the Ooga Booga thing. I mean, I, he said a lot of shit Saturday night that didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, and if I I said I made the comment on Twitter, it wasn't the nicest comment. Uh, but you know he he I guess his new heart gave him a. Uh, you know, reason to be kind to the officials. I think Kevin Kugler was giving him crap about these. Like, he's like, you're you're like a, a referee apologist now, or something like that. He's like, yeah, it's this new heart. And they mentioned that three or four times. And I said on Twitter, I said, if I've got to hear about Matt Millen's new heart one more time, I'm going to rip it the fuck out of his chest. Wow, <laughs> I thought I was the one that was drinking a lot. I, I wasn't drinking at all. That's the crazy thing. That that oh my god, Greg. I mean, so violence. I, I, I mean, you know, it's a it, 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 Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I mean, I don't really have heart ripping from chest capabilities. I'm just, you know, I was trying to be entertaining, and and it got a few likes and responses on Twitter. So hell with it. Uh, we'll take a timeout. Apparently, my darker side has been uh, uh, exposed. So we'll take a timeout. I'm going to. Uh, you know, you, you should probably go do a bong hit. <laughs> I don't do bong hits, and uh, I, I I probably shouldn't because I don't like my job, but I still need it, and I need to pass random drug tests should they occur. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so we'll take a time out. When we come back, uh, news that dropped late Saturday night about uh, uh, a show that a lot of people seem to enjoy, and, and then we'll talk about Ohio State as well. It's coming up as the Five Heart Podcast continues. Welcome back to the Five Heart Podcast. Greg Mahochko, Hoss Reuter, John Dam Johnston, bringing you the best Husker coverage you'll ever find in podcast land. That's our story, and we're sticking to it. Uh, it dropped, it was announced actually while we were recording the Coronation Reacts episode right after the game Saturday night, that ESPN's College Game Day coming to Lincoln, Nebraska. So there's that. Um all the pageantry, all the excitement, all the people and the crowds that are associated with it, the national stage, 6.30 kickoff uh, Central Time, and we're going to get uh, Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet and the sideline reporter whose name eludes me, but that's okay. Um, Husker game day coming back to Lincoln. John, your thoughts? Well, would you like to have a story? I would love Oh, Lord. Oh, yes. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to. I'm going to rearrange some furniture. I'm going to lay on my stomach with my feet kicked up and I've got my hands on my, on my, or my chin on my hands. I'm ready for a story time. Okay. Years ago, uh, the college game day came to Nebraska on the day that my brother-in-law, Doug, and his wife, Sarah, got married at St. Mary's Catholic Church, which was six blocks from the stadium. And at that time, there was this radio show that was the Fabulous Sports Babe, I think it was, and she was very well known. And I, they used to do this Geek of the Week thing, and I faxed them this thing, and I think Herb Street, I can't remember, Herb Street or Fowler, I think it was Herb Street, was on that show, and I faxed them that my brother-in-law was getting married, and they had us both on that show. And this is a story somewhere on Corn Nation, I'll look it up and, and find it, but... um I should have gone down to co- the, the, the college game day. At that time, Nebraska had these cornheads 
they weren't like the foam corn heads like you see like the Green Bay Packer corn you know what I mean like a giant like, well, like a now. giant dick sticking out of your head they were more like the the were from France uh come on Saturday night live the Jane Curtin Dan Aykroyd the coneheads the coneheads yes we we have those right so uh we have those at the wedding and uh the 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 wedding Gets done. I bought a tiny nine-inch portable TV so we could watch the game uh, while we were actually taking pictures and stuff at the state capitol, which is right across from – it's St. Mary's, right? Sure. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you heathens don't know. But um, – I mean, I've never as the time. game as the game as the as the wedding concludes, and if you remember, I think that was the game where we beat the living shit out of Colorado, fifty-two to seven, or twenty. No, it was twenty-four to seventeen. I don't know. We beat them. But as we are coming out of the wedding, we hear all this screaming, and we look over, and there are pe- people carrying the goalpost up to the steps of the state capitol. It was a wonderful day. By the way, you're right. It is They're Saint still Mary's. married. It is St. Mary's Catholic Church across uh, from the Nebraska State Capitol. Right. Across K Street, for those who are, uh, you know, interested or Catholic. But I, sh- I should have gone down to college game day because I'm pretty sure I would have been on the air. But I was told ahead of time, uh, you will show up uh, presentable, sober, as a de- decent human being that doesn't have like your tuxedo all torn to shreds and <laughs> you're like well that that rules me out I, yeah i don't know what these people want from me don't get married on a game day folks oh my god you know how difficult it is and this is look i get it this is first world problem as, as first world problems can be but i've had to attend a wedding or two uh on a nebraska football saturday and in order to do that and be happy about it, I've got to, you know, either turn my phone off, which is difficult to do in this day and age, but I've got to log out of Twitter, log out of Facebook, and make sure that none of my jackass friends text me any updates. And, look, i got a lot of jackass friends. I'm, uh, I'm looking at you, Josh. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a process. <laughs> it's a damn process to, to not have an outcome of a game spoiled. I'll never forget there was uh, – it was – hell, we were still back in the Big 12 – and it was the uh, it was the game at Texas A and M, and it was the one that Martinez got hurt. I think the final score was like nine to six or something like that. And I got home at midnight and started watching the game and watched it all. I think that was the one. Wasn't Mike McNeil our uh, uh, tight end at the time, and he was getting fisted in the asshole by some uh, Texas A and M. Ben Cotton. Was it Ben Cotton? All right, it was one of those. Yeah, it was Ben Cotton. I, I mean, look, all I'm saying is it was un- unappreciated. It's, a, it's okay. Unsolicited fisting. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I stayed all the way up till 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, well, well, that sucks. But at least I didn't have it ruined. Like, nobody said, hey, don't bother watching the game. Uh, it was a shit show and, you know, everything else that, that happened along with it. Um, but, by God, don't don't ruin football and don't get married on, on a Saturday. Okay, well, my anniversary is October 28th. Yeah, but let's be real. You you got married before college football was a thing. On October 28th. What? 
you got married before college football was invented, so you're not to blame. <laughs> okay, well, it was an Iowa State game that weekend, so we really didn't consider it a game. Bam. Ooh, snap. But on October, on October 28th, I will be married 30 years. That's fantastic. I cannot wait to uh, send you a card, maybe. <laughs> I think you should send my wife a card. She's the one that's the saint. Oh, I here. know she is. Believe me. I don't think any. I don't think anybody. You know, for me, it's been a joy, and for her, it's, I don't know. Maybe a prison sentence. <laughs> no, she wouldn't have put up with you this long if she didn't find well, worth and, and value in your relationship. Okay, let's move on to Ohio State. Well, let's not get there yet because, of course, one of the uh, – Oh. Well, we've got to finish talking about game day because we really didn't talk about it. But one of the oh. uh, hallmarks of game day each week is the celebrity guest picker. And, of course, we're recording this early in the week, and, and I don't know if they announce who that celebrity guest picker is, uh, you know, ahead of time or if it's, you know, they show up and, oh, my gosh, it's – I don't know if it's Iowa. It seems like it's always a, a, a country singer named Luke something or other. Um, but there are some celebrities, local and and national or beyond, who have ties to Nebraska. Uh, some of the names that I remember seeing are Larry the Cable Guy. I hope it's not him. Uh, oh, Jack Hoffman. Jack Hoffman, who's now a freshman in high school. I and, think that would that would be a good idea. That'd be tremendous. And I think Larry the Cable Guy threw his support behind. He's like, no, I mean, he's like, uh, get her done right there, uh, uh, Jack Hoffman. Uh, oh, God, please, please know Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> no. Oh, uh, riot in the fucking streets. Uh, Dr. Tom Osborne, of course, was a name that was kicked around. Uh, Dwayne mm. Wade was a name. I said, why Dwayne? Why not his wife, Gabrielle Union, who, you know, went to Nebraska and, and is from Nebraska? I think that makes more sense. Uh, the, the owners of Runza, I think, have been uh, named – uh, Warren Buffett was named. I don't think I, I'm pretty sure he's too busy counting his. I, I have a feeling that Warren Buffett's got like the Sc- Scrooge McDuck vault of money that every Saturday morning he just goes and dives into, um, just you know to swim around Ooh. in his all of his cash. Uh, you guys have any? I don't want to say speculation, but in, any front runners you'd like to see being that celebrity guest picker? Uh, Urban Meyer. You know what I. I probably would have to say Terrence uh, Bud Crawford. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, as long as it's not Lawrence the Cable Installer. No Urban Meyer? No. No Urban Meyer. It's for the whole school, you chowderhead. Well, okay. Jeez. I think Urban Meyer's doing a good job as an analyst. Yeah, I, I do too. He's a hell of an analyst. Yeah, wasn't he an analyst, and then he decided to take a job in the exact conference in which he had been analyzing, and and, uh, and he found. I mean, got an inside look at everybody, you know. What a douche! Yeah, I mean, nice ethics, Herb. I don't think hey, come on! This is a cutthroat game. Nah, you know, there's cutthroat, and then there's just moral compass being so fucked up you can't find your way back to the parking lot. Come on, that's why he's had to leave college football twice. Yeah. Yes, indeedy. So okay, what, celebrity pickers. Uh, is there a singer from Nebraska? Is there anybody? Uh, what about that girl that was on? Uh, oh, come on. 
That's like, you're going to see the celebrity at that point. Well, I don't know any celebrities. I don't remember names. I have a problem with names. Dwayne Wade, Bud Crawford, Jack Hoffman. Let's go with that pool. That's a good pool. Here, here's one for you, and, and I think the name the ghost of Charles Stark. The the name may hey. not uh, uh, ring a bell to you. By the way, Randy Meisner uh, from Nebraska. Ooh, from the Eagles. I, you I can't hide. Don't start singing like again this week. And you'll smile. What are you doing? Is it in, in disguise? I thought by now you'd realize. No, no. You lie. <laughs> Ain't no way to hide your lying eyes. <laughs> we got to do that every week. That's so much fun. Yeah. Uh, and no, we pick a song. Greg, a, pick a song. Fine. Unbeknownst to John and start singing every week. I, I, I don't want it to be unknown to I just want him to be really annoyed by it. I, so... Last week we sang Kenny Rogers. You're like, I don't listen to Kenny Rogers, but do you not listen to the Eagles? Are you not an Eagles fan, John? I I told you last week that I heard a lot of this music eight million times on that's a long. That's why on they call it playing for, the hits. On a East of Omaha, you can listen to the engine moaning out as one note song. There we go. We got you singing. Yes. All right, I'm well, gonna... it's not really singing, is it? Um, well, yours, no. Anyway, another another celebrity. Emily Kinney. Does that Stop name ring a bell to any of you? wandering the way they always do. When you're riding 16 hours and there's nothing left to do. Uh, I, I'm bowing out. I'm going to let John do this solo. <laughs> Here I am. I'm on the road again. There I am. Up on the stage. Why are, people would not subscribe to this? <laughs> what do we have? Like seven subscribers to begin? No, with? we have. About, I'm guessing about 250. Mm. We get a lot more downloads. <laughs> than might, that, we, FYI. To grow our uh, to grow our subscription base, we might have to auction off a uh, dinner with John. Ooh, karaoke night with John. <laughs> oh, God. I think that would be terrifying with everybody. Okay, what are we doing? Uh, Let's um, stay focused. One more celebrity I was going to throw out there real quick. Uh, Emily Kinney from Wayne, Nebraska. Uh, a singer and an actress. She was on The Walking Dead, uh, among other genre shows like uh, the CW's The Flash and Arrow. Um, but probably best known. Z-list. Best known for The Walking Dead, which for its, you know, it's... it's oh, yeah, who was she in The Walking Dead? Uh, hello, Beth Green. I thought everybody knew that. Beth Green! Oh, who's Beth? She was one of the survivors who, spoiler alert, ended up not surviving. Ooh. Yeah, I quit watching that show back in 2012. Fine. All right, moving on. Ohio State. They're coming to town. <sighs> you fuckers. Uh <laughs> Um, we're a tough group. It's a tough crowd. So, Ohio State is four and zero. We all know that. Um, they're a solid four and zero. They're an ass kicking. They're an ass kicking machine grinding, tearing up the fucking world four and zero. 
Let's put it this way. They played their closest they game. Play. They played their closest game opening week, beating Florida Atlantic. Then they beat Cincinnati. Excuse me. Then they beat Cincinnati, beat Indiana, which everybody's going to beat Indiana. And they just mollywopped <laughs> Miami of Ohio. So, like Haas said, who have they played? Okay, number one, Indiana usually plays Ohio State and Ohio State University very close. So there's this bizarre, I've talked about this before, there's this bizarre, weird relationships in the Big Ten where some teams just do things with other teams. You know, a lot of Northwestern always having our number and us always beating Michigan State in football at least, but the fact that they beat Indiana 51 to 10, they're an ass kicking team. There is, tell me the weaknesses on this team, Haas. I'm watching them yet. You haven't watched them? No, because I don't want to watch a Goliath beat up on some poor, hapless little sisters of the deaf school. Okay, well, here's what they have. They have uh, Justin Fields, yeah, they have excellent. Justin, Field, JK Justin Fields. Fields. They have a ton of offensive linemen. Most of their backups on the offensive line are four and five stars. They got Chase Young at D end. Yeah, you know, compared to us, they're probably the eighty five Bears. So you were gonna? <laughs> no, this is. I was on... gonna make funny. You were gonna start in the twang there. <laughs> But this is important because Haas. Are you saying that the schizophrenic? <laughs> Haas, you you made a, a point. It seems like the last few years. I think last year was Purdue. The year before that was Iowa. Ohio State goes on the road and shits the bed. They have. This, oh, excuse me. We, ah, you're old. Yeah. Um, I mean, what? Yeah, they shit the bed. Inexplicably, you know, each year. To a Big Ten West team. It doesn't bode well for us this year because that's probably a recognized pattern of behavior for them. But, damn it, I'm hoping that this is their shit-the-bed game. It's going to be really difficult to keep that offense, you know, from getting untracked just because of how proficient Fields is as a drop as both a drop back passer and in running the ball. And J.K. Dobbins really tore us up down the stretch last year in the third and fourth quarter of that game. And then Chase Young, you know, had his way with the right side of our offensive line last year. And I kind of have a feeling that he's probably going to do the same thing this year. So on paper, Ohio State has a pretty decided advantage. And I can say that, you know, just by looking at scores and catching a few things now and then about them. Um, but, yeah. The line is 15. Oh, it dropped a little bit. Dropped is that it? Point. Okay. Well, we are 18 and a half point dogs last year rolling into Columbus. <sighs> well, I guess we're going to find out what we're made of. This uh, well. They're, they're going to have uh, a Michigan State team at the Horseshoe next week, another primetime kickoff for them. And at, as of right now, Michigan State's ranked number 25. Are they – look, I'm not saying Ryan Day doesn't have them ready to compete each and, and every week, but 
what are the chances that they're going to overlook Nebraska and and zero in on Michigan State? What what are the chances that their fans are looking at this game possibly as a trap game? I'd say the fans are probably looking at it as a trap game from inside the program after the scare that we put into Ohio State last season. I think that they're probably pretty, you know, dialed in on making the trip to Lincoln. I think they're probably going to come here very prepared. They're not going to be overlooking us. Um, if it was if it was an 11 a.m. game, maybe that would be a little bit more of a factor that they'd kind of overlook us and sleepwalk through the game a little bit. But we're going to get Ohio State's best effort on Saturday night. And honestly, if you want to upset a team, you know, it's nice to catch them when they're sleepwalking a little bit, but you always want to be able to say that you beat them on their best day. So when we beat them on their best day, does that put us at a top 20 team? Um, yeah, I, I bet we would probably jump up to about 20th or 21st. Here's the thing. Here's I don't, I don't subscribe to that uh, SEC line of thinking that when the when one team in the conference wins a game or in you know a big game we all win you know the SEC chance and all that other bullshit um, yeah there's no, no honor or loyalty among thieves here in the Big Ten conference no there's not and I hate Ohio State and every sports team in Ohio with a, a fiery burning passion from deep within the butt guys. so I would love <laughs> for a loss to Nebraska on September 28th to eliminate them fully from playoff contention. I would rather just not see them in yeah, the future. If, you know, I could care less if a Big Ten team gets into the playoff. If it's not, if that team's not named Nebraska, I could care le- I could not care less. Wow. I, okay, Haas, Haas. You hmm. won't want to be a football coach one day. I do. Very Okay. Okay. Here's the, here you go. Ohio State's coming to town. You know that they're going to score like 40 points. Mm-hmm. How are you, you going to score 42? How do you game plan for them? Are you going to are you going to run fast? Are you going to try to milk the clock? Are you going to you know what I mean? How would you game plan this game? Oh, well, from question, a clock man. management standpoint, I would probably try. You know what I would do from a clock management standpoint is early in the game match pace with them you know if if you know that if i know that my team isn't going to be able to stop a team like ohio state on a consistent basis i'm just going to try to match pace with them through that first half and try to get to halftime even and if at some point in that first half i realize like hey we're not able to score quickly on these guys just slow it down a little bit you know start bleeding some time off the clock from a schematic standpoint, with, are you saying like if I had the exact set of pieces that Nebraska has right now in this hypothetical yes, situation? Yes. From a schematic standpoint, I don't think I would try to run in between the tackles a whole lot just because the return on investment there isn't going to be very high. So I would probably utilize a lot of the quarterback running game out of empty formations and 10 personnel. Um, formations that have some combination of Wandale and Moe in the backfield together, or Wandale and Dedrick Mills, or Dedrick Mills and Moe, 
um, formation with Mo, Wandale, and Spielman out there in, in 10 personnel and just throw a lot of stuff on the perimeter. Bubble screens, flares, wheel routes, get Adrian moving out of the pocket on boot on our bash bootleg play, uh, force a lot of one-on-one coverage situations, um, a lot of high-low reads on corners and safeties and linebackers. Just try to get guys out of position and just, you know, really force Ohio State to defend the entire width of the field. You know, every blade of grass horizontally and vertically, a lot of motion and um, probably a lot of RPO type stuff. You know, make the, no matter what decision they make, make that read, that defender that's being read wrong. Go away from him. Misdirection. Yeah, misdirection. And just try to hang in there to have a puncher's chance going into the fourth quarter. And this is probably, this would be a game where, um, I'm, I'm not a big believer in fake punts or fake field goals. I believe that if you're going to go for it on fourth down or try to convert on fourth down inside the red zone, you put your best 11 guys on the field and that's your offense. But this might be a game where you, you know, pull a fake field goal out or you fake, you know, pull a fake punt out or I don't want to conjure up memories of last year, but you know, a surprise onside kick, hopefully just execute a whole hell of a lot better than what Caleb Lightborn did. <laughs> That was a great call. That was a great that, call. And our defense ended up stopping him on that drive. But, man, like, man alive, that was shit execution. Well, that's But, yeah, kid, um, I would really, kid. with how Ohio State's defense is built, you know, they got a front seven that's big and physical and athletic. I'd try to get them tired out running sideline to sideline, running down screens and crossing routes and sweeps and, you know, try to soften up that middle. So later in the game, maybe you can pop a big run on third and three with Mills, you know, up the middle or Adrian on a quarterback dart. Defensively, um, first off, yeah, I mean, you don't want to get too much pressure on Fields because he's just going to climb the pocket and get out of there, whether he's running up to set up the throw or he's just, you know, running, taking off to move the sticks. So you'd want to play a little bit of containment. But the big thing is that we're going to have to have really good coverage on J.K. Dobbins coming out of the backfield. Uh, Ryan Day loves shallow crossing routes in his offense. He has going back to when he was with the San Francisco 49ers under Chip Kelly in 2016. and That's been a hallmark of their offense in 2017, 2018. So you really got to defend the underneath. And, you know, thankfully we have two corners who are really good at, you know, defending deep vertical routes. So you can kind of afford to leave those guys on an island. But the big thing to me against Ohio State from the, a black shirt standpoint is getting pressure up front, covering backs out of the backfield, and safeties being able to clamp down on deeper crossing routes. Because last year Paris Campbell had like a, Probably a 55-yard touchdown off of a uh, deep crossing route that no what nobody was in position to clamp the route. I mean, there's just nobody in the general vicinity within 20 yards of Paris Campbell. So you got to find out what they do well, and you just try to uh, you try to limit it. You try to eliminate it. Make them left-handed. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot again. All right. I know what my pregame speech is, and it's just a simple line. What's yours? Let's get it done tonight, gentlemen. 
Is that it? Yeah. Mine would be uh, Worf. Today is a good day to die, and it is not quite over. I would probably include some arcane his- military historical reference, you know, channeling my inner Stephen Miller, or Dennis Miller, I mean, and, uh, you know, equate that some military battle to football and the game we're about to play and emphasize the importance of doing the, doing your job and uh, out-executing the opponent and playing a good 60 minutes and give it 110% and only the strong survive, and let's go get it done tonight, gentlemen. Steve Miller? Dennis Miller. Oh, because I yeah. thought you were going with – Come on, take the money and run. Whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> that is one of my favorite songs, actually. <laughs> no, uh, People call no, me a space you know, cowboy. Woo-hoo. I, I, I try to stay pretty even-keeled. You know, it's an important game. It's a big game. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's still a game that comes down to two things, blocking and tackling. How well do you block and how well do you tackle? Greg, you got a you you got a pregame speech. Um, Greg, Greg's dead from muscle relaxers. No, no, I I've only had one today, but uh, I'll have another one before bed. Um, you know what? There's a, a quote I remember from college. It was read to us at freshman orientation from our then athletic director again, community college. So let's not you know. But it's inspiring. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, it goes a little something like this. By the way, Walter D. Wintle is attributed with this uh, little poem, I suppose. If you think you are beaten, you are. If you think you dare not, you don't. If you like to win but think you can't, it's almost certain you won't. If you think you'll lose, you're lost. For out of the world we find, success begins with the fellow's will. It's all in a state of mind. If you think you're outclassed, you are. You've got to think high to rise. You've got to be sure of yourself before you can ever win the prize. Life's battles don't always go to the stronger or faster man, but sooner or later, the man who wins is the man who thinks he can. Go get it done tonight, boys. That that was beautiful. Thank you. I also have another one. No, Debbie, you only get one speech. <laughs> well, it just dawned on me, and I screenshotted this last week because from one of my favorite movies, The Outlaw of Josie Wales. And it's, now remember, things look bad and it looks like you're not going to make it. Then you got to get mean. I mean, plum, mad dog mean. Because if you lose your head and you give up, then you neither live nor win. That's just the way it is. Let's go get ourselves a W. I want... Mohammed Berry, who I think is, I think he's the heart and soul of the defense. He's certainly the best, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, quote giver. Um, that's not the best. That's not the word. Uh, oh shit! What the hell are they called? Soothsayer. No, damn it. He's uh, anyway. He 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 provides some of the best audio. Uh, but I think Darian Daniels is is you know been voted a captain. I just want the captain of the defense and the captain of the offense to get together, one of them say to the other, I'm your Huckleberry. And, I love it. And, uh, and anyway, uh, predictions, John. 
Oh, what? Well, I said earlier they're going to score 40. And they are. They're going to score 42 points, and we're going to score 44 because our defense is going to score at least one touchdown. And uh, we're never going to kick a field goal. <laughs> I don't know if how that adds up to 44, 45, whatever. What, I don't do math anymore, man. <laughs> 45 to 42 Nebraska because I'm a madman, and today is a good day to die. I am the gangster of love. Do they call you Maurice? Haas. All right. I, uh, I'm going to give two predictions, but I'm going to go with only the unabashed, diehard, maladjusted Husker fan one as being empirical, you know, as being valid. The first one says that we do enough just to hang in there and we still come up short. Ohio State 45, Nebraska 31. But in suspending disbelief for this week, and I'm going to say that we execute a game plan that is uh, built on putting speed and space on the perimeter. Adrian is, you know, back to his 2018 self. We go out there and we put together performance and win 37-33. Because okay. we just got plum mad dog mean. I am going to split the difference of you two dynamic, one of a kind gentlemen. 42 Nebraska, 38, and Ohio State University. Fuck the Buckeyes. The Buck Guys. I don't feel comfortable saying that, and I don't know who it might offend. Uh, get off our turf and go back to Columbus, not even a top 10 team. Sound good? Yeah. Let's get it, let's get it done tonight, gentlemen. That is it for this episode of let's the... Look, look We're going to fly like an eagle to the sea. All See right. what you bastards have done? Yes, we, we've re-energized we your world to music. And there's nothing better. <laughs> All right. Uh, that is it. Till for- I'm free. <laughs> Do you want to sing on the show or after the show, John? Feed the babies. We don't have enough to eat. Houses the children living in the street. Okay. Go ahead. Let's go on now. All right, that's it for this episode of the Five Heart Podcast. Remember, you can subscribe and get this show and all of the great Coordination podcasts uh, immediately delivered to your mobile device by subscribing at uh, any, any, at least I know of the big uh, podcast services like Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Google Play, Spotify or Podbean. Uh, or you can always just check it out right there at coordination.com. Uh, when you click on this article, you'll see the player right there. Uh, but we do encourage you to subscribe at no matter how you uh, get our show, we do appreciate it. And share it with a, a Husker fan or friend in your life. Uh, you can interact with the show, Facebook and Twitter, at uh, Coronation on, on Facebook and Twitter. And, uh, of course, Facebook.com slash Five Heart Podcast, which is spelled out. But if you're over on the Twitter, it is at the number Five Heart Podcast. 
And uh, that's it for this episode of the Five Heart Podcast. My name is Greg Mahachko. For my fellow members of the Tripod, John Dam Johnston and Haas Reuter, we remind you this week and every week that Five Heart is all the heart you need. John? Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the go big red. Win the damn game, gentlemen. Uh, I was lying in bed last night. <laughs> And uh, I drifted off to sleep, and I had a dream that we were beating Ohio State. 14-3. But, uh, I woke up kind of sad. But then I cheered up when I realized it was only a dream because I know we'll be Ohio State. By way more than that. I know you're tired. I know you're hurting. And I wish I could say something that was classy and inspirational. But that just wouldn't be our style. Pain heals. Chicks dig scars. Glory lasts forever. Life's this game of inches. So is football. Because in either game, life or football, the margin for error is so small, I mean, one half a step too late or too early, and you don't quite make it. One half second too slow, too fast, you don't quite catch it. The inches we need are everywhere around us. They're in every break of the game, every minute, every second. On this team, we fight for that inch. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's gonna make the fucking difference between winning and losing. I don't want them to gain another yard. You blitz all night. We got a great opportunity. We've got a dandy out there waiting on us. Offense, play fast. Simon free, man. Defense, swarm. Swarm and tackle. Punch that ball at every chance you get and keep busting. Special teams, lay it on the line. Attack your responsibility. Attack. We got out block them. We got out tackle them. We got out hit them and hustle. It's real simple. You out block them. You out tackle them. You out hit them. And you out hustle. Sir. And you stay within the legal limits of the game. Let them know, leave no doubt tonight, leave no doubt tonight, no doubt, not this night, not this night, don't leave your wingman ever, ever, ever bail out on your brother, you help, you strain, and you just fight, start fast, stay on top of them. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery Monkey.